to Nardi Gibson Ministries Teaching Broadcast. I am Nardi Gibson, your host, and today I have a word from the Lord. And this word will transform your life if you apply the principles of God's word through faith and obedience. I was going to wait until the end of the conference to make uh, this special announcement, but I feel it's best to just go ahead and release it now and get it over with. Um, some of you might have had the sneak peek already on social media, but beginning this October, a couple of weeks, it's just around the corner, we are pleased to announce that the Lord uh, is expanding Nardigas and Ministries, and we will be launching our very own radio station. Yay! Amen. It's called His Royal Diadems Radio, and it is based off Isaiah. 62 and verse 3. Amen. He has called us to be his royal diadems in his hands. Amen. And we will be platforming and hosting biblically sound teaching programs from other men and women of God. So stay tuned. Uh, stay connected on our social media pages for all updates. Next week will be our final dial-in. Yay! And, and, you know, some of y'all have just been so faithful to, to just be on this journey with, with me here and um, dialing in every Wednesday, you know, but praise God, God saw that we were faithful and now is platforming us. Um, so I feel like we're going from a flip phone to an iPhone <laughs> kind of thing, you know. So in October, it'll be just tuning in. So all you have to do is just tune in. You'll get all the instructions on social media. Um, hallelujah. Amen. We are thankful and grateful for our small beginnings. And we pray that uh, God will take this next step to, to do greater works uh, so that we can make his name great. Amen. Because it's all about his name, making his name glorious and known throughout the earth, okay, throughout the nation. And, and our radio station will broadcast throughout the world. Amen. Praise God. So that's the news. And let's get into the word. Amen. Praise God. I'll be reading from Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only to Moses? Has he not spoken to us also? And the Lord heard it. Father, we come once again thanking you for who you are in our lives. Thank you for the love that you have shed abroad in our hearts that we can be called your children. And Lord, with no condemnation again, but with love, sincerity, and with your truth, with clarity of thought, with brevity of speech, and in the boldness of your spirit, let this word continue to be uttered so that we can understand what you are conveying to us. We invite the light of your truth into our secret chambers, and we ask that you reveal Disclose, unveil, unearth, expose, root up, and root out any and all unhealthy agents and deposits living within it. Cleanse us from secret sin. Communicate your heart, Father, to us, even if it offends us, even if it hurts us, so that we may know what your perfect will is and so that we can repent and live. Now, Father, I ask that you shatter our ignorance with your knowledge. Pulverize our ideologies, tear down our 
theories, our presumptions and assumptions, and strip us of religious habits and powerless ritual. Invade our religious mindset and uproot any and all false teaching. And replace them with your wisdom and the knowledge of your truth. Create in us, O God, a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within us. And now, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let it be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Yeshua's name, the name that is above every name, glory to God. Amen and amen. Well, we are on part three. We've made it this far. The verdict the end of vindication. And today we are going to continue part three of a leprous and lofty conversation. Amen. Um, okay, so let's go. And last, okay, last week's teaching, we talked about physical leprosy and how it affects lives. We learned some of the scientific terms and names and, and how it can spread. The lesson then ended with the question, how does all this connect to us? as believers. Like physical leprosy, the spirit of leprosy consumes and destroys the body of Yeshua from the inside out. Spiritual leprosy with its uh, contagious component is being transferred from tent to tent, from brethren to brethren, and it is infecting the camp. It is causing a rotting of vital body parts that is affecting our spiritual sight or, or our insight, rather, among other things. And God wants us to kill it. If we look around today, look around social media today, you see believers engaging and behaving in ways that God is not pleased. God speaks about slandering, and God is not pleased. I want to get to Aaron because for three weeks, I know you've been waiting to hear about Aaron. What about Aaron? What about Aaron? But before I can get to Aaron, I must complete with Miriam, okay? So now you would think that after three weeks, we would be finished with her, but guess what? There's another layer of this onion I still feel I need to peel. And so I have to flow with, you know, with the the way the Holy Spirit is leading and directing these weekly teachings. So bear with me, amen? Okay, so in verse 9 of Numbers chapter 12, and it reads, The Lord was very angry with Aaron and Moses, I mean, and Miriam, sorry. Notice that in this verse we just read, verse 9, the scripture addresses Aaron first as in, as in order. But in verse 1 of Numbers chapter 12, it addressed Miriam as first in order. And this is key to helping us understand this text because it denotes that there is something deeper that we need to see. In verse 10, it reads, And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. So now we see that as the glory of God's presence, as it lifts, Miriam's skin was left white. Her skin is, not, is now diseased. The racial issue she had in her heart over the color of someone else's skin color now diseased 
her own skin. And because of the leprosy, she has to exit to live outside the camp for seven days. Now, I'd like to back it up quite a bit. We're going to go, like, really back, back, because I think that a look at Miriam's background will help us to understand or better understand who she is, okay? So who is this Miriam that, that we've seen on TV, you know, the, the movie Moses? She is the girl child Miriam who has heard the royal decree of genocide for the male Hebrew babies. She is the girl child Miriam who sees off her baby brother to carry out a dangerous plan as instructed by her parents. She is the girl child Miriam who places Moses in the basket to float down the Nile River to escape the slaughter. She is the girl child Miriam who stands guard to watch what will happen to him. She is the girl child Miriam who communicates with the princess on what to do and who to retrieve to nurse the baby, which is its own mother. So what can we deduce about Miriam's characteristics in these few bullet points? Well, she's definitely fearless. She's obedient. She's protective. This child is brave. She's quick-witted and she's clever. And she's capable of successfully carrying out the mission at hand. It seems that at an early age, Miriam displays beautiful, courageous, and virtuous qualities. Miriam was instrumentally and actively being used by God in saving her baby brother's life. And like you and I today, she loved her siblings. She loved them. Later on, she surfaces in the wilderness narrative after the episode at the sea. She is nameless in the first years of her mention, but she reappears by name and position in Exodus fifteen twenty, where she is the first female prophet to bear the office and title as such. She was a leader of the nation of Israel. In Micah 6 and verse 4, it says, For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. And, and this is the word of the Lord. So Miriam was definitely a leader and an activist who was making sure that the Hebrew nation didn't die out because this same Miriam had learned to defy the Pharaoh's orders with the uh, other two courageous midwives, uh, Shephriah and Pua, who refused to obey the royal edict of disposing Jewish male newborns because they feared God. The same Miriam, she has grown up beside her brothers and has witnessed all the miracles, the signs and wonders that God has performed. She has suffered with the people. The same Miriam has witnessed her brother Moses stand up to Pharaoh before the Exodus, and, you know, and the list goes on. In Exodus 15, the Israelites are now liberated. They are free forever to worship God. They are free from their oppressor Egypt. They are free from slavery and all of its brutality. 
Now it was time for rejoicing. It was party time. It was time for singing and dancing. It was a time of celebration of God, of, of praise to God for delivering them out of bondage. And so in the mix of all of this, Moses teaches, teaches them a song. He says, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. And you can read the rest of it. In ancient times, the way they would sing praise to God was in um, antiphonal singing. It was antiphonal, which basically is one side would sing and then the other side would respond or would answer in response, okay? So let's take a peek at what happened in verses 20 and 21. Then Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing, and Miriam sang to them. So we can clearly see there's without doubt that she is a leader of women in Israel. She has godly influence. She has musical abilities. And so the, the women in response follow her in, in glorious and beautiful uh, praise and worship and adoration to God for, you know, for his deliverance. The Holy Scroll introduces her with a description. She is introduced as Miriam the prophetess. And some of you may be hearing the word prophetess for the first time. And so what exactly is a prophetess, you might ask? It is a she-prophet, a female prophet. And a prophet or prophetess is one whom God speaks to, revealing himself and his will. Through Miriam's life, we can find some very sobering lessons that we can richly benefit from. One, that she was just like you and me. Miriam was, was both a good and a bad example, which teaches us. What does this teach us? That we are simply not perfect, regardless of the position or the title we hold. But also, it teaches us that although our Heavenly Father is patient and, and you know, graciously forgiven towards us, there will be times in our lives when he will act in decisive uh, discipline. Lest the decisions and bad ways we have chosen leads us to destruction, as well as all those who are looking up to us for guidance and leadership. And because who knows that to whom much is given, y'all know it, much is required. So this brings me to my next thought. We must learn to be content with the influential role God has given to us, amen, and, and, and dutifully and righteously utilize them within the framework he has established for us. Because if we're not careful to walk in the spirit of humility, hear me, we can make a place of power and position that can hurt our influence and integrity, just as it did Miriam. Taking pride in our prophetic gifts will cause us to descend. God does not take pleasure when we become prideful and high-minded. Miriam, with Aaron following, had challenged the prophetic authority of Moses, and that's what got them into a pickle, okay? That's what got them in, into trouble, along with the racism in their hearts. 
Miriam understood, though, that leadership, you know, leadership to embrace, it embraced diverse voices, male and female voices, because it is God who is the giver of all authority. He's the giver of the gifting, and he chooses and anoints whom he wills. But speaking out can have its severe consequences if taken for granted or abused. Speaking out can have its severe consequences if taken for granted or abused. Okay? Her position as a leader of the Jewish people demanded her to walk circumspectly. And so speaking to Aaron, instead of speaking with Moses, who was the one who she was having an issue with, served as a poor example because it was her obligation, hear me, as, as, as a leader, it was her obligation, her leadership protocol of integrity to speak with him directly, not behind his back. Miriam, the one who had no problem being brave or quick to act or confront things when she perceives injustice, fails the one time she doesn't do it, and guess what? She gets called out by God on the spot. Sometimes we can pridefully presume to know more than someone else that God has chosen. And so in our contentious attempt at, listen, at the writ, at the script or the lip, we become the epitome of everything this entire lesson from beginning to end is about. And as a result, we successfully become an excellent stage prop of the message we intended to deliver. When Miriam speaks out in objection against her brother, her heavenly father, our heavenly father, metaphorically spits in her face, leaving her with the physical manifestation of an inward, spiritually infected leprous heart on the outside. Then the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterward she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp for seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. I don't believe that Miriam was, you know, this real evil, wicked person. But when we open the door to pride, guess what comes in? Evil comes in. And though she felt or presumed in her heart that Moses' behavior was arrogant, she was incorrect. She had judged him wrongfully. And then she spread the rotten lie. And if God had not intervened, guess what? It would have spread like leprosy throughout the camp. We must guard the entrance to our mind and our heart. And that's our eyes and our ears. She was punished severely to show us that God will hold each of us accountable and, and also to let us know that God judges us individually and uniquely according to our, our abilities. For a father to spit in his daughter's face demonstrated the most humiliating way of punishment in, in ancient times. It appears that many instituted you know, these customs that weren't necessarily God-driven or biblical. But what we do see here is that God simply repeats what has been their own custom along with carrying out his own paternal punishment. 
The only other time, and this was kind of, you know, the only other time I can recall um, anything about spitting is when Yeshua, y'all know the story, when he mixed, you know, the spit and the, and the mud to make clay and put it on the, uh, the blind man's eyes. And then he sent the man to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and his eyes were opened. It is shocking to think of anyone, of anyone spitting in anybody's face. But in Miriam's case, I believe that the spitting was not so that uh, she could see, not to, it wasn't to like smite her. I think it was more so that she could see what her thought life and actions had consequently birthed. And that what we allow, you know, the things that we allow to fester and grow in our hearts can have grave consequences. So the spitting in her eyes wasn't so much to smite her more than it was to open them so that there could, you know, there could be repentance, so that she could see and repent and so that she could heal. Ladies and gentlemen, loyal diadems of the Most High God, once again, I will have to end this teaching. So there will be a part four next week for the final, I promise, of a leprous and lofty conversation, part four, the vindication, the verdict. Once again, Father, I have delivered your word to your people. I have obeyed your voice. Now, Lord, sanctify them through your truth because your word is truth. Help us to see, open our eyes, Lord, where we need to uh, grow, where we need to change, where we need to repent. Put your finger on it, Lord God, and, and make us uncomfortable until this flesh bows to your perfect will. I don't ever want to close this program without extending an invitation to pray for anyone who does not know Yeshua as Lord. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For you on the line today, Tomorrow is not promised to you, it's not promised to me, it's not promised to any of us. And like many traveling through the oceans of life, I know that storms have hit you. Life has been brutal. Life has been rough. But I want you to know that there is a God. He is the Father and He loves you and He has a plan for your life. But our sins and our rebellions against God and His Word, it's what keeps us separated from Him. But Yeshua, you might know Him as Jesus. Yeshua is calling you, and he's saying, come, come all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am the door to the Father. No man can come to the Father in heaven except they come through the Son. The Bible says you must be born again, and so you must repent and be baptized for the remissions of your sins. So salvation and forgiveness of sins and eternal life, it is a gift that is made available to anyone who repents, anyone who believes and confesses that Yeshua is Lord and that he died and rose from the dead to save mankind. Friends, this gift cannot be earned or in the, and it cannot be bought by simply being good. It is a matter of faith and trust in a loving Savior. And if you would like to receive Yeshua into your heart, if you would like to receive forgiveness of sin, please pray this prayer with me. 
Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, Yeshua. Your word says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord and is baptized shall be saved. I am calling on you right here and right now. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Wash and cleanse me in your blood. I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord over my life. And according to your word, I now confess with my mouth the Lord Yeshua and believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead. I confess and declare that Yeshua is Lord of my life today. I thank you for the gift of salvation through the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. And by faith, I now receive this gift of eternal life. In Yeshua's name, I am saved. Amen and amen. If you have prayed this prayer with your whole heart, I want to welcome you into the family of God. This is the beginning of a new journey, a new you. God has now redirected your ship of life, but you will need discipleship. You need to be baptized and fellowship with other believers so you can grow and learn more about God and his word. Amen. We would love to connect with you. If you don't have a home church and you live in the Grayson County, North Texas region, I recommend to you God's House of Faith and Worship Center located at 320 North Travis Street in Denison, Texas, and where Dwight Thomas is senior pastor. This is a biblically sound and thriving ministry that I love and trust. Amen. Please use the contact links on our social media pages or website to let us know your testimony and how this ministry has influenced your life. To learn more, please visit www.nardadison.com. Thank you for tuning in to Nardadison Ministries Teaching Broadcast. I am Nardadison, your host. Be sure to tune in next week, same time, same place, for another powerful, life-changing, burden-removing, yoke-destroying, anointed Word of God, where Yeshua is Lord, and of His kingdom there shall be no end. Shalom.